so excited for the word that I get to share with you this morning. The word of God is living and active, and whatever it does in proceeding from the mouth of God and what it's determined to do, the word says it does. It doesn't return void. So wherever your heart is at this morning, the word of God is living and active coming to you. And my prayer this morning is that that the Lord would minister to our hearts and if he needs to reprogram some of our thinking and our understanding and our hearts towards him and towards other people. So I'm excited to get into the word this morning. We're busy with a series called Conversations with Jesus, where for the past few weeks we've been looking at real conversations that Jesus had and what we can learn from them. And our prayer has been that each one of us in this church throughout this journey would not just observe these conversations, but that we would experience Jesus coming to us and having some awesome conversations with us. And we've heard incredible testimonies of God has touched people and encouraged people and, and, and spoken to people. And I believe this morning that we're going to have that same experience. Every time we open up the Word of God, it is ready to speak to us. So this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19. We're going to be looking at the story between Jesus and Zacchaeus. You might recall it from your children's church days. It was the little man who got into a big tree to see Jesus amidst the crowd. And we're going to be reading that story and the conversations that took place around that moment and see what we can learn from there. And uh, with that all being said, there's going to be a few other things happening here this morning as well. So be ready. Can we pray before we open up the words that we position our hearts in expectation? Thank you, Jesus, that every conversation you had is filled with so much life. It is filled with so much wisdom. It is filled with truth and the only truth. And it's filled with love. It's filled with compassion. It's filled with forgiveness and grace. And I pray this morning, Jesus, that the conversation you're about to have with each one of our hearts, according to your word and under the anointing of your spirit, would speak to each one of us. We open up our hearts to hear from you, and we are ready to learn from you and whatever it is that you want to speak to us about. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So to get us ready for this conversation with Zacchaeus, just a little bit of context. is This is towards the latter, latter part of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's on his way to Jerusalem to go and face the cross and death, and on his way there, he is passing through the city of Jericho, which we recall from the Old Testament. And on the way to Jerusalem, passing through Jericho, this incident happens where he has this moment with Zacchaeus. Now we're going to read in a moment that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. And to the people of the cities back in the day, they considered the chief tax collectors or just the tax collectors as really bad people. So that is not giving us a free ticket to say that when we pay our tax to the taxman, that the taxman is bad. The reason why they were considered to be sinners and bad is what they would do is they would sit at the, the, the city gates or where they were paying their tolls and then the tax collector would know it would cost, for example, 10 rand to enter the city, but he would put his own amount of money on top of that and put that in his pocket. So he would take what was needed for the government or for the city's governance, but the rest he would add and then that would become his money and consequently... Zacchaeus became a very rich and wealthy individual because of this. So with that in mind, and this whole idea that the city did not like this man all that much, let's read what happened in Luke chapter 19. It said, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and, I, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. What an interesting story. Here's a man who's heard about Jesus and that Jesus is on his way and he's really short and he knew that there's such a crowd gathering around Jesus that there's absolutely no way he can see him. So he runs ahead, he climbs in a tree, he waits for Jesus. Jesus walks in, Jesus sees this short little man in a tree and speaks to him and all of a sudden Jesus says, I'm coming to your house, you better have some lunch. And they go and they have lunch and the crowd goes around and says, seriously, out of all the people in town he's going to eat with Zacchaeus? And then Jesus and Zacchaeus has a moment and Zacchaeus responds to the love and grace and acceptance of Jesus and he calls Jesus Lord because there's an exchange and he understands that Jesus is now Lord of his life and Zacchaeus makes some amazing promises of how he's now going to live and then Jesus says one of the most profound things, he says the son of man has come to seek and save the lost and let's look a little bit deeper into this conversation and what we can learn from it. And this morning I'm going to call my message, A Meal with Jesus. A Meal with Jesus. If you had to sit around lunch today with Jesus in a room, what would that conversation look like? What would be the talk of the moment or the questions that you have on your heart? And here we see Jesus going to have lunch with Zacchaeus and I can Hopefully we can see how some of the conversation has gone. Who of you guys in this room enjoy watching cooking shows on TV? All right, just put your hands right up. That's quite a lot of you. It's a, it's a strange phenomenon that kind of stepped in with MasterChef years back that we all want to sit in front of a television and just look at food. And then there's that awkward moment where the judges taste the food and it's like, hmm. And then they take a little bit something out and they try another piece and you're all just waiting in anticipation. Is this good food? And Ricky and I have been saying that because both of us like cooking, one day in the near future we might just have our own version, version called Pastor Chef. We will be cooking off and we'll get you guys to taste some of the food that we're cooking. So this morning, because I'm going to be speaking about a meal with Jesus I'm definitely not going to get through this message unless I have a meal with Jesus. So I have prepared for myself a smorgasbord of incredible things to eat that I'm going to be talking to you about in a minute. One of the shows that we as a family love watching is a show called Zumbo's Just Desserts. Anyone knows it? Ah, you see all the kids in the back, they're like, yes, that's our favorite. We're watching it for Alika's sake because it's all about sugar and it's really colorful. And Zumbo is this guy from Australia, which they call the sugar assassin because he makes the absolute most, most incredible desserts you've ever seen. And, and then in his show, there's all these contestants to try and beat what he does and, and then try and do some of his recipes and I'm just going to read to you some of the recipes in the latest season to just get your appetite a little bit awakened. Just listen to this. Baked lemon cheesecake with grapefruit sorbet and meringue. Here's another one. Mirrored honey cake with smoked cinnamon frozen yogurt. <sighs> smoked cinnamon frozen yogurt. Man. And fresh figs that they got from Zacchaeus sycamore tree. <laughs> Raspberry pistachio opera cake with honey-infused ice cream and chocolate tuli. Man, chocolate, hazelnut, and caramel mousse on a banana and passion fruit cremeau. Whatever that is, that sounds amazing. And then you see it, and you're like, goodness, I want to try some of that. So I have my meal with Jesus this morning, and I'm going to describe to you what's on this plate. All right, are you guys ready to hear what, I, what, I'm, what I'm going to eat? First of all, there's light and airy American-style donuts with sugar glaze and a snapback crunch, a.k.a. Krispy Kreme's original glazed. Any, any fans in the room? So... Do you, do you guys, just can you give me a moment? It gets me every time. Honestly, <laughs> I could live off this for the rest of my life. I'm going to actually take, take a bite. 
so that you guys can hear that crunch. Okay. All right. Do you see how shiny it is? That place? Just, so just listen. Here's the crunch. Come on. That's amazing, right? Mm. Okay, but that's not all that I've got on here. So maybe you're not into sugar. Man, listen, Krispy Kreme's original glazed. I call it the modern day manna. I think that's what the manna tasted like in the wilderness. And here's the cool thing about Krispy Kremes. They bake them fresh every day. You don't eat a Krispy Kreme the next day, so it's like manna. You eat it on the day that it was given for. Okay. Alrighty. So if you're not into sugar like I am, then I've got some savory snacks on this plate as well. In the front here, I have hummus brushed olive bruschetta topped with matured prosciutto ham, fresh basil, and balsamic glaze. Any takers? Going once? Oh, that's great. You're not allowed to have any. Okay, here's some more savory things. I have thinly sliced fillet of beef biltong. Mm. The thinner, the better. Covered in crushed dry coriander. Mm, coriander and biltong. Goes amazing. Then in the middle, are you guys ready for this description? I've got grapes. Doesn't that sound amazing? Grapes. Okay, maybe I should... Black seedless grapes. Sounds a little bit better. Could I have a grape? I can't talk about it and not eat it. Yeah, this is my favorite. Out of everything on here, apart from the Krispy Kreme, it's sparkling water. Any sparkling water drinkers out there? Sheesh. If you can have sparkling water, who wants normal water? Because sparkling water is so much better. But this is Verve sparkling water. So if you know Stefan, he's from our church. This is his sparkling water. And this is a, especially a special bottle of water because on Monday he came to the office and he brought us this bottle of sparkling water. And he said, this is the very first bottle of sparkling water we've bottled for the new financial year on the 1st of March. And I'm bringing my first fruit for you to enjoy. So I'm going to be drinking some Verve sparkling water. So if you're thirsty, sorry about that. I'm just going to be enjoying this. Uh, tastes like water with bubbles in it. Pretty amazing. <laughs> I also have some chewy chocolate brownies filled with dark lint chocolate in front. Anyone? Yeah, there we go. Cheers. <laughs> Much great. Now, some of you might want something a little bit more light and airy. So last night I baked these. This is cinnamon crust, home-baked, banana loaves. Anyone like banana bread? Okay, let me see. I haven't tried one yet. So let me see if this goes down well. That's amazing. Mm, that cinnamon crust on top. And then I'm aware of some of you in this room who might be a plant eater. Plant-based. So I thought about everyone, and you're trying to be really healthy, so for those of you, I have a cold-pressed beetroot, carrot, and ginger shot. So I'm going to down this one because apparently it's really healthy. It's better than the Krispy Kremes for your body. So all those who like these, here we go. Ah, I can feel how I'm being detoxified in this moment. <laughs> it really works. I'm going to have juice for lunch. I mean, really, you like... Can't wait for that green juice I'm going to have for lunch. Sorry, just doesn't work for me. I'd rather have another Krispy Kreme because this is amazing. <laughs> mm. Don't know about you, but I'm enjoying my meal with Jesus this morning. Pretty amazing. Here's the amazing thing about Jesus. When you look at his walk and his life, he often used meals to do ministry around. He, would, he was cooking breakfast for his disciples which we shared about a couple of weeks ago in that moment that he restored Peter. He was sitting with them in the Last Supper and he gave them a meal as a covenant reminder of his body that was bruised for us and his blood that was shed for us. We see how he would have the thousands following him and he would have them sit down 
and feed them a meal. And then Jesus promises that one day in the presence of the Father in heaven, we're going to be eating a whole meal and a feast of food. So this whole idea of a meal with Jesus, which we see happens in the story of Zacchaeus, seems to be part of the way that Jesus did ministry. But it was never about just the meal. It was about the purpose and the intention behind the food. And that's what we're going to get to in a moment. Suppose someone knocks on your front door, walks through the front door after you've opened it up, and goes and takes a seat on the couch. And that person sits there for 10 minutes. After a while, you're going to ask the question, what did you come here for, right? Suppose that man says, well, I came to sit on the couch, then that would settle your question. Well, well, there you go, you're sitting on the couch. But if someone just walks through the front door after knocking on the door and walking in to your house and sitting on the couch, you want to ask what the purpose of you coming here is all about. And Jesus made sure in this moment with Zacchaeus that he spoke to us. He spoke to Zacchaeus, he spoke to the crowds, and he said this, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man walked into Zacchaeus' life to have a meal with him, but the intention and the deliberate purpose behind it was to seek and save Zacchaeus. And this made me realize that so many of us walk through life and wonder what's the purpose of Jesus? What's the purpose of my life following Jesus? And Jesus has already made it so clear that I have come to seek and save the lost. In fact, in Mark chapter 2, just as he has called his disciples to himself and he has just called Levi as one of his disciples to follow him, it says then that he was reclining, in other words, taking his time sitting back relaxing in the presence of sinners and eating with them. And then the Pharisees, as they would like to do, challenged Jesus and, and his disciples like, what? He's eating with the sinners? And then Jesus said this, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He didn't walk into this world and lord it over it and says, you serve me, I am God, I'm the king. He came and he served the people to such an extent that he wanted to bring them to that point of recognizing that he is giving his life to the point of death so that they can be saved. And then in our story, we read already in Luke 19 verse 10 that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So three times in the scriptures, Jesus made clear to us his purpose of knocking on the door of the world and stepping into it. It's to seek and save the lost. And this morning I want to ask the question, how have you aligned behind that purpose of Jesus? Because he doesn't say, I've come to... To, to find the sick and make them healthy, which he did say, but he doesn't then add on that and says, and then I've come to just keep those who are healthy happy. So we've got to ask the question, what gospel are you living? Are you living the gospel that Jesus just wants you to be healthy and then be happy? He's there to, to serve you at, at everything that you need. I found Jesus and I love Jesus and I'm in a good space with him and wow, there's so much that he wants me to have and enjoy and benefit from as long as I'm happy with Jesus. Because sadly in the world out there, there's this gospel that it's all about your happiness, but then it goes against the words of Jesus that says, whoever wants to follow me should deny themselves and take up their cross and come after me. It goes against the words of Jesus that said, Whoever tries to save his life and make it happy in this world will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my name and for my sake will find it. So Jesus is very clear on his purpose. He came to seek and save those who are sick, those who are perishing, those who are lost, and then once we find him, we join that mission. 
We don't join this mission of becoming the happiest, best selves we can. We align with the mission of seeking and saving the lost. Now this is what happened in this moment with Zacchaeus that he modeled something to us and to the city and the crowd around him. So back to Zacchaeus. Can you imagine for a moment, Zacchaeus is sitting at the gate. He's making his money. It's a good day. The city is busy, probably because Jesus is on his way and there's some that went ahead. And they say, Jesus is coming. And all of a sudden, here's a man and he hears the words that Jesus is around and something happens in his heart. So much so that he decides on that day that he's going to close shop no matter how much money he can make from the massive crowd that's coming with Jesus. And because he's heard about Jesus, he says, I have to position myself somewhere to at least see what all this is all about. And he takes up his skirt, because that's what he probably wore in that day, and he started running with his short legs. Can you imagine the picture? And he got up the tree, and I can imagine the people in the city is like, is that Zacchaeus? The guy who sits at the gate, he's in the tree. What a fool. Who the heck climbs in a tree? That's children's business. What is he doing in the tree? And he sits there and he waits just to see Jesus because somehow he's heard about this Jesus and then Jesus walks into his world and has an appointment with him. And it, it just reminded me that hearing about Jesus stirs a desire to experience Jesus. And in our world today, I believe there are hundreds and there are thousands of people who's heard about Jesus and there's a desire to experience, but unless we understand that our purpose aligned behind Christ is to go seek and help save those people, it'll just stay in hearing for them. It'll just be all about the hearing. What's amazing about the wording that was used there when it describes Zacchaeus, he says, he wanted to see who Jesus was, and the original words is Izeti Idian, which means he had a deep desire to have an encounter and an experience of Christ. And I looked at that and I thought, you know what, if a man that was so sinful and so, so conceited in his wealth and so prideful that he would just take money of people, heard the name Jesus, and inside of him there was a little bit of a flame starting to flicker because he wanted to experience this Jesus. How about our world today where people have heard the name of Jesus maybe multiple times? just might be that in your life, in your family, in your workplace, down the street, there's someone who's heard this name of Jesus and like Zacchaeus, there's a little bit of a flame. Are you ready to go and see that flame set into a holy fire of encounter with Christ? That is what he has called his church to do. Isaiah 42 verse 3. Speaking about Christ, a bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly burning wick, he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. In Zacchaeus' story, Jesus worked with the faintly burning wick of desire to start a burning hot flame. Isn't that amazing? He saw something in this man that was so deeply desiring of Christ that he said, Zacchaeus, now let's, let's make that a fire. Let's turn that into a flame. Are you seeing the little flames in your world? A little question about, tell me about your church or someone that might be in pain saying, hey, can you help me with my kids today? They're asking for practical help, yes. But if they don't know Christ, I believe there's a deep, deeper ask behind that. I, I just need need someone to take care of me for a moment or maybe in your workplace where someone says I had a bad week and you think all it is as they're saying is it's going tough but maybe there's a desire in there can someone just give me a little bit of hope I think Zacchaeus was sitting there and he's heard of his friends in the other towns who's had meals with Jesus because that's, that's what Jesus seemed to do he would hang out with these guys and in his heart is like wow if Jesus was meeting Kuesi in another city, who was, sorry for that name, that's a terrible choice, Kuesi. 
I'm trying to think of a Hebrew name. So let's say for this, this morning that Kursi is a Hebrew man sitting in another town and Jesus had lunch with him. Do you, maybe he might have lunch with me. There was a little bit of a desire that Jesus walked with and have worked with. If we can see the desire in people's hearts, like Jesus, we can start a flame. So let's look at three things in the conversation Jesus had with Zacchaeus to encourage us this morning. Before we do, I'm going to take another bite. First thing that we see is Jesus singles out the lost. He's surrounded by a crowd that followed him. The crowd probably increased the moment he walked into the city. He didn't speak to the crowd. He was walking and he came to the spot where Zacchaeus was in the tree. And Jesus knew this guy's name. I don't know whether it was by divine knowledge of him being God or whether he's heard of this guy called Zacchaeus. Or maybe someone said, ah, that's Zacchaeus in the tree. How weird is he? But he calls him out and says, Zacchaeus, I don't care for the crowd in this moment. I care for you. I'm going to call you by name. I have an appointment with you today and I am going to single you out. And even in that, I was challenged personally this week that it is easy for me to stand here on a Sunday morning and speak to the crowd, but am I willing to single out those in my life that need a singling out and a touch with Jesus? Not just do it in the crowd. So Jesus goes and says, here is a man that I have a moment to, to, to reach. And he could have easily put the crowd down and tell a story that Zacchaeus could listen to. But he said, no, Zacchaeus, today I have an appointment with you. And I believe in this world today in the same way, Christ is ready to have appointments with people who are far off. But he's wanting to use us to notice them, to single them out, to go and speak to them in the same way that he did. It's the story of the shepherd who leaves the 99 healthy, doesn't stay around just to make them happy. He says, I'm going to leave you for a moment because you're healthy, you're saved, you're, you're, you're restored, you're with me. There's the one I need to go look for. It's the story of the lady who's looking for the lost coin. You might think, oh, why did she run around for one coin? She had all the other riches. That one coin mattered to her so much so that she moved around the house to try and find it. And Jesus is ready to step into people's worlds and move it around to seek them and to save them. He wants, he's wanting to do it through us. He's wanting to do it through his church. So the first thing that we see Jesus does is he singles out Zacchaeus. The second thing is Jesus has an urgency for the lost. He said, Zacchaeus, quickly, hurry, immediately, get out of that tree, come down, let's eat together. And I was wondering about Jesus' urgency, because these are strong words. It was, it was driven with an urgency. Zacchaeus, quickly come down. I don't know why he said, quickly come down, but I believe it's because Jesus knew in his heart what was about to happen. This man is about to meet his Savior and be set on a whole new course. And Jesus was just deeply excited about the prospect of this appointment with Zacchaeus. Maybe there was an urgency in Jesus' heart because this was the last time that he was going to be walking through this particular city, Jericho, because he's heading to the cross. And he said, I have one last opportunity to, to speak the gospel message to this individual. And that made me think, is do we look at individuals and people in our life like that, that this might just be the last opportunity I have to share Jesus with them? See, the moment we think like that, the urgency will rise up in our hearts. That today might just be the last time I'm going to see this individual. Today might be that one time that I have the opportunity to speak to this person. So I'm not going to let this pass. Jesus could have easily just walked on, but he stopped and he said, quickly, let's have a conversation. How urgent are you about the loss in your family? How urgent are you about the lost in your street? How urgent are you about the lost 
in, in, in the places that you work, those around there that you've just been doing life with, but you have not gotten to that point of saying, let me tell you about Jesus. Let there be an urgency in our hearts to get to that point quickly. See, so many of us are scared of rejection. We're scared that once we take that step and, and reach out and say, I want to talk to you about my Savior. I want to talk to you about the one who owns my life. I want to talk to you about the one that I'm deeply in love with. I want to talk to you about the one that my life is devoted to. That in the morning when I wake up, I think about him first. And when I go to bed, I speak to him last. And he is all of my life. It's amazing how quickly we can tell our friends about the amazing meal we had at the restaurant last night in downtown, which is brand new, but we're hesitant, we're hesitant to say, can I talk to you about Jesus? See the mismatch? Earthly things, yeah, we'll talk. I'll tell you about that experience. I'll tell you about that meal. I'll tell you about that special. I'll tell you about, but I'm a little bit scared to talk to you about Jesus. I believe the, one of the main reasons is the fear of rejection, right? I come speak to you, you might just not like me anymore. There's another type of rejection that I want you to consider. A far greater, indescribable rejection. And that'll be the rejection when Jesus returns and the Father has to look away from those who never had the opportunity or maybe had the opportunity never responded to his gospel. That rejection is what keeps me awake at night, thinking that there are people I have the opportunity to tell about Jesus before it is too late. Just like Jesus said, today is Zacchaeus. I'm going to come with an urgency to you because this is my last opportunity in this city to speak to you at the risk of being rejected. You know what? Jesus was actually rejected by the crowd among him. We read it. They didn't like what Jesus did. So Jesus even understands when rejection comes our way, if we want to talk to people about him. So can we try and settle the rejection card? Or the rejection like, I can't because I'm scared people are not going to like me. So what? So what if they don't like you? There's a whole lot of other people that might just like you. You see, we, we're scared. We're scared to share. We're scared to talk about Jesus because, yeah, you guys are fundamentalist, judgmental Christians because that's the word of the media on the street. But if they really knew that we are followers of Jesus who's desperate about their salvation and that the love of Jesus is what brings us to the place of salvation, no works, no effort, if we get to share that story, they might just see it from a whole different view than what the world is painting. So let's not also listen to the voices of the world saying, yeah, the only thing Christians are about is, is judgmental and on their high horses and, and wanting to tell people to be better. No, we're telling people that we're all, all equally worse in a terrible state and we are in need of a savior. That's the message of the gospel. That's what Jesus brought to Zacchaeus, but he did it with an urgency. The third thing that we see is that Jesus gets into the world of the lost. He said, hurry down, Zacchaeus. I must stay at your house today. Come down, Zacchaeus. I want to come and be where you stay. And that just breaks some of our religious mindsets. Because some of us are so scared to step into those dark and seemingly dangerous and far off from God places that we're not willing to step into the world of the lost. We're not willing to go there. I once heard about a pastor who says he, the reason he owns a private jet is because if he flies with the general public, then the demons that the public people have attach themselves to him. And then he can't minister where he goes. I'm like... How small has the spirit and the power of God come, become to you? That you are so scared to be amongst the sinners. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did the whole time? He positioned himself amongst the sinners. He was reclining with them, chilling out with them, having meals with them. And he said to Zacchaeus, not Zacchaeus, come down here and let's go somewhere safe where I'm comfortable. No, Zacchaeus, I'm going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to step into your space, your world your home, where I'm probably going to be sitting on a chair that was there by you stealing money from people, 
Well, I'm probably going to be eating a feast put in front of me by money that you take from people. Jesus wasn't intimidated by this man's sin and brokenness. He said, I'm stepping right into it. What would it look like if the church was thinking like that? At every opportunity, we get to step into those places because we know that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father with all authority in heaven and on earth in his hands. And with that authority, he said, now therefore go and make disciples. That the Spirit of God and the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. That puts me on a, on a, a sense of excitement to actually want to go and do that. Lord, let me step into those places. I'm not talking about entering a den of temptation where you yourself might be in a space of weakness. And if you know, if you go to that place, that you might be finding yourself struggling with, with sinfulness. I'm just talking about being okay with people's brokenness. Being okay that there's sin in people's homes. And just going there and not being intimidated by it. Stepping into their worlds. You see, what we do is we wait for them to step into our worlds and come through the doors of the church on a Sunday. For some of us, it's so difficult to just even invite them to church. But we meet here week in and week out and we talk about these empty chairs and somehow we hope that one day people will just start walking through the doors as if that is just gonna happen. They might see the flag outside and just come in. The people will start coming through the doors if we step into their world. If we go into their spaces, if we reach out to them, so can we stop waiting and be like Jesus and go and reach out to the people in their world and share the love of Jesus with them in their space? Because if we wait for them, it feels to them like there's so many hurdles to cross before they are welcomed through these doors. But if we flip the page and we say, no, we're coming to you and we, 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 we're opening up the way for you to meet Jesus, then they might just be more open to receiving Christ the conversation continues and all of a sudden there's a a third party involved the crowds it says all the people saw this and began to grumble he has gone to be the guest of a sinner so funny that this is the, the latter days of Jesus' ministry that they still did not get it that that's why Jesus is on earth is to look out for the sinners to go and find those who are lost. And still they would grumble. Like out of all the people in town, why is Zacchaeus' house? There's a priest down the road that has got a lovely house that Jesus could just have his lunch at. But he chose the sinner. Could it be in this church that we won't murmur like that when people reach out to sinners? But could it rather be that we would murmur if we stop reaching out to sinners? That we would say, that's wrong. It's wrong for us to become this elite space of great community and Sunday mornings. And this was a great Sunday. And the worship team sang my song, which I so love. And I had such an incredible moment. And then I get to go to life group and I get to tell my story. And we pray for one another. And it was a bad week and now it's a better week. And, and not that any of that is wrong. But you see how we build our Christian life? It's all around what I can get, what it's what's about about for me, and and then. But please, Lord, don't let me go to the sinners. I just I'm not in that space. Jesus said, "Come on, church. I've sent you to reach out to the lost. I've sent you to go to those places. I did not come so that you can just have another great Sunday morning. I've come so that you can reach out to those who've never had a Sunday morning." Yes, come on, we have an incredible worship team here this morning. This morning, twice, both services, I'm loving meeting with Jesus. But in my heart, I'm so aware that there are people out there who has not even tasted. In Acts chapter 4, the apostles were preaching the gospel, and then the city turned against them, and there were threats that if you guys keep doing this, you're going to be killed. So what happened is the believers came together and this happened. They said, they said, Lord, you look upon their threats, but give us the boldness to continue sharing your gospel. And it said, and then the house shook and the Holy Spirit fell. And they left that place and they shared the gospel with boldness. 
They didn't ask for a shaking and a falling of the Holy Spirit. They asked for boldness to preach the gospel and the experience came. Where's our focus at? Is our focus to be, Lord, give me boldness this week to speak to that person that I've been putting off? Because maybe it's in that prayer that you'll find that shaking and that experience and that power that you've also been crying out to. So let us not murmur, but let us look at the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with our world. You see, a meal with Jesus changes everything. Who's never had a Krispy Kreme? Just put up your hand. I'm not going to tell you where to find them. They are in town. After the first service, I had to explain to a whole lot of people where you can find them. If you really want one, I'll tell you afterwards. Just come and ask me. But an experience of a Krispy Kreme changes everything. You'll never eat another donut ever again. I can tell you that. But far greater than the Krispy Kreme. Jesus was sitting, reclining with Zacchaeus. In the Middle Eastern days, people would eat from the same bowl. So they were sharing a meal, putting their hands in there, eating together. Imagine what Zacchaeus felt, this filthy hand that has been stealing money from people. It's in the same bowl as the hand of Jesus. And we don't know what they said to one another, but something happened and Zacchaeus was changed so much that it said he stood up to make an announcement. He didn't sit down and said, okay, Jesus, uh, now that we've met, I'm gonna, no, he stood up. He's like, okay, I am making an announcement. And he said this, look, Lord, here and now, immediately, with the same urgency that you have come to meet me, here and now, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. I can imagine maybe the estate that he was running and he was calling those who serve at his command and says, guys, get this stuff out to the poor people. And then he said, and furthermore, where I have stolen and cheated people, I will restore four times. A meal with Jesus changes everything. What would this world look like? What would Somerset West and Strand and Gordons Bay and Halleberg look like if we are intentional with every meal we have people to introduce them to their Savior? We, we don't just sit and talk about, mm, yeah, this is a lovely vintage, the 2015 Cabernet Sauvignon is really amazing. Oh, wow, that meal, wow, that was great. Move beyond that and like, Okay, now that we've eaten, we've had our share, can we have a real conversation about Jesus? Where are you with him? Have you ever thought about him? Because maybe the people are there with a little flame of desire to know a little bit more and they're just waiting for you to ask the question, can I introduce you to the one who owns my life, to the one that I love more than life itself? What would it look like if we are intentional with, with our eating with people like that? And our lunch hour at work, we go down and we sit and we eat and we're like, let's have this conversation today. Maybe we'll see Zacchaeus stand up and say, I'm making an announcement, I'm changing my life. I'm following Jesus from this moment. You see, here's the key. Zacchaeus, in his wealth and richness, probably put down a feast in front of Jesus. I, I, I can only imagine in the little bit that I know about Middle Eastern culture and how those people ate. This is... This is nothing in comparison. How Jesus was sitting in this house built with riches and wealth and there was just a spread of food in front of him. But Jesus had in his mind and his heart something far better than the best buffet meal. He had the bread of life and the living water. And that's what he gave Zacchaeus in return. He was the bread of life and he is the bread of life and the living water. So what would it look like if you use your next weekend opportunity when you go to people's house that might not know Jesus and you sit there and you enjoy the spread that they put in front of you, maybe in your own house, the one that you've prepared, but then you take it beyond that, you say, let me introduce you to the water of life that once you drink this, John chapter four, you will never be thirsty again. In this moment, what happened is that the crowd around suddenly got quiet. We don't hear about the crowd again. 
You see, the sinner was rescued, the skeptics were repressed, and the Savior was revealed. Maybe we didn't hear about the crowd again because they were like, yes, finally all the money that was stolen from me is going to be returned with interest. I would have loved to see this story end with, and the crowds stood in awe that a sinner met his Savior. But we don't know about a crowd again. Their, their voices were silenced. Maybe some of them were like, wow, if Zacchaeus can get saved, I guess me too. But the whole story is about Jesus stepping in in this conversation saying, Zacchaeus, I've got something better for you. Taste the bread, taste the water that I have. He got saved. The skeptics got quiet. The voice on the street got quiet. That person that you are scared to go speak to because he or she might just reject you, that voice will become quiet the moment that they meet their Savior. And then the Savior and Jesus is revealed in the story. Can I have my last bite of Krispy Kreme? Here's another one. This brownie is really good. Are you guys ready for this? Okay. You see, what we do is we feast on Jesus every week, hopefully every day. And we walk through this world and we surround it by people who are famished just for a piece. We pick up another piece and we eat. And we don't care that much for them out there. That's really nice. What would it look like if we start sharing? the buffet feast of bread and living water that each one of us get to enjoy? Are you living selfishly in your walk with Jesus? And like the crowd, you are murmuring that he would not come to your house but go to the sinner? Or are you saying, come, I'm going to share this meal because how selfish of me this morning to eat in front of you the whole time. <laughs> After the first service, I had so many people say, I'm so hungry. I said, it's great to hear. That was the plan. Think about the people out there who's hungry for Jesus. And like, I know, Pierre, that's the message, but I'm telling you, I'm sorry, that's great to hear. Think about those people in the world out there that's hungry for Jesus. Are you willing to take the bread of life and the living water to them? Because Jesus said this, today salvation has come. It has arrived. If we can be the church, which I believe he has intended for us to be, we can step into those people's worlds and say salvation is here. It's knocked at the door. He has come to seek you out and to save you today. And that's the heart of Christ and the purpose of why he came to this world. So let's close our eyes for a moment. I want you to think of how are you aligned behind this purpose of Christ? Are you following that and saying, yes, Jesus, the bread and the water that I get to feast on, what's greater than feasting, Lord, is that I get to open it up and share it to the world. Or maybe... You've just been keeping it to yourself. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to show you this morning where you are aligned or misaligned to the purpose of Christ. Maybe it's fear that's put you off. Maybe it's the idea of rejection. Maybe it's because you don't feel like you have all the right things to say. Be reminded this morning that the Spirit of God dwells in you And even if you sometimes just 
take that step and say, hey, Jesus loves you, and you give a person a hug, that it is enough. After the first service, someone came to me and said, I'm going to go down and buy a dozen Krispy Kremes, and I'm going to go down to the beach with my kids, and we're going to look for 12 people that we're going to give a donut to and ask if they know Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Simple, immediate act. So I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to every heart as we quiet our hearts on what we can do. That we would stop looking at why we cannot and why we should not and what we are scared of, but that we would ask what we can do. That you would show us this week, Lord, where we are meeting people and encountering people, how we can say today, immediately, quickly, urgently, let me tell you about your Savior. May we seek out, Lord, those who are waiting, those who have a little flame of desire, who might have heard about Jesus and knows we go to church and we have found this beautiful community that we love being a part of, Lord. May we seek them out and say, you too can be restored and made whole and live a life filled and satisfied in Jesus. We trust you for that. I want to end with a story. In John chapter 4, Jesus meets the woman at the well. She drinks the living water. She runs back to the town. She comes back with the whole town. The disciples went to town. They came back with lunch. Because of that encounter of the living water that this woman had, she said, I cannot let those Neighbors, family, friends of mine miss out on this. Can we have that same heart? So Lord, I pray that we would have that same desire, that that which we get to benefit and feast on, that we would get to share. That you would deal with our selfishness of keeping it to ourselves, of trying to be our happiest, most satisfied self, Lord, that we would just find those who are hungry and thirsty for their Savior. And we trust you for that in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.